I'm Brax McCoy, and this is the Brax McCoy Show. I'm here with uh, my friend and soon-to-be-yours, Eric, and his buddy, Kyle. They run uh, Exumbrous Designs. Is that correct? Is that, did I say it right? Yeah, Exumbrous Designs. Okay. At, at ExumbrousDesigns.com, I try to plug you guys on every uh, episode, and I probably screw it up at least 30% of the time because we also do Red Balloon. <laughs> and so, uh, Makers of Fine Kit and uh belts and whatever else man like you guys make a bunch of shit i've got my dogs all my dogs have uh exumbrous collars on right now <laughs> so yeah, nice. do, yeah doing cool stuff so i think actually you know i i set a different starting point earlier but i think this might be a better one um a lot of guys feel like they've got to like jump right into the body armor game and stuff. Like if they want to go take courses or maybe even just train on their own or whatever. And I know me and uh, my buddy Grandpa, who if you're on Twitter will know, like we're pretty big fans of just running the chess rig. You know, like armor as a last resort, like as you're building up, uh, you know, building up your kid or whatever. But if you're just trying to get out to to courses and run lanes, I think like chess rig is the way to go. Um, so I got what I I have three of your y'all's chess rigs now and I've run them at courses and stuff and they're freaking great, man. I love them really well made. Like I like that the shoulder straps breathe, you know, and I'm not sweating my ass off under a thick strap. Um, they fit good and everything. So from your, from y'all's perspective, what do you think a new shooter that's trying to get into like the tactical LARP? game like like me you know i'm like an airsoft guy at this point in my life um what do you think he like where should he start uh it kind of depends probably with the weapon system and then from there that would dictate what gear he needs for it um and i think you can go two ways with that if you want to start with a pistol uh getting a good range belt set up with some medical some extra meg pouches and uh you know like a dump pouch is probably all you need to get going in that and then if you're going to start with an AR platform or AK or something, I think uh, then it necessitates a chest rig. If you're going to get into some, especially shooting drills and stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. and then, and were you, were you guys, were you guys, what's that? I'm sorry. I missed you. Oh yeah. So no, I was just going to add that that's kind of how, uh, taking that into consideration is kind of why we've released the products in the order that we have. Um, the belts are real good to start just because mm. a lot of this gear take does take specialty machines. Uh, and when we started looking at kind of switching over and getting more into tactical gear, we already had quite a few machines that allowed us to do the belts right. Um, and then from there, we've been taking everything and putting it back into the business, trying to get more machines, bigger machines, more specific machines for certain functions. Uh, and then from there, that's going to allow us to make, you know, kind of bigger stuff like the plate carriers and stuff like that correctly. Cool. Very cool. Yeah, I, I, I actually took exactly that progression with y'all stuff. The first thing I got was a belt. I think um, Jimmy and Nick, I think, were the ones that told me to order from y'all. So that's definitely how it started for me. Um, were, y- were y'all both? I, Eric, I know you were, but were y'all both SF guys? or? Uh, no. Oh, no. I'm civilian. Completely. Oh, right on. Yeah. Right uh, on. So, Kyle, so like I got introduced to a mutual buddy of ours. Um, Kyle's kind of from central Washington, and then I had another buddy who was mutual friends with him. 
who lived in Jackson Hole with me for a while through like I think junior junior high through high school, uh, and then a few years ago we all started talking and hanging out, and uh, that's how we kind of got together on this business deal. So, right on. That's that's actually kind of even cooler. Like you guys met like snowboarding and shit or something. And now here you are making tactical gear or whatever. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. that's badass. So when you're like when you obviously you y'all had to be thinking like this is a you know this is i, I don't want to call it a saturated market because i don't think the market is necessarily saturated but like there's already you know products out there right and and companies that are like established and everything so when you guys were like trying to kind of fire off your business what was your like what what were you guys thinking going into that did you see some needs specifically that you wanted to get in other than like a guy who shot himself in the foot one time was selling belts and you thought, well, if he can do it, I could do it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think, I mean, it, you could view it as saturated. I mean, it, it definitely kind of is, but I think there's an opportunity there to get into it and put your own mark on it, you know, create your own thing. Yeah. And that's, I think where, where it started from. Yeah, I agree. Right I mean, you guys definitely do that. Go ahead. No, no, I'm sorry. I cut you off. Please go. Oh, uh, no, I was just going to kind of add to what Kyle was saying. There's a lot of companies that have been around for a while, and they make great gear, but um, a lot of a lot of the existing companies kind of target the government and agencies and the military, uh, whereas we've kind of shifted focus, and we're actually making kit, you know, for an example, like our radio pouch, is made to hold a civilian like Baofeng radio versus right. one or something like that. And uh, just kind of taking the same quality that's provided to the military and kind of transitioning that into more of a civilian friendly type platform is kind of where we've tried to establish our kind of niche in the market. Yeah, man, that makes perfect sense. I, I know I get a lot whenever I send somebody your way, like a friend or whatever, they'll always send me screenshots of like product names. They're like, oh, that's funny as hell, you know, like there's definitely a feel where like you guys have kind of a touch point with the, the customers that I think other people don't, you know. Yeah, yeah we try to be engaging as yeah, much but- as we can with everybody, which is, yeah, something you don't normally see with a lot of guys. So for sure and before i got my first rig of y'all's i had one from another company and eric to your point about like the one two three thing i got for behind the placard uh i don't want to you know disparage the company but i I, you know i got a one of their deals that goes behind the placard to hold like radios and other stuff and it i mean it, it literally is you can't use it for like it doesn't it really doesn't work for anything except for you know a military application I mean, unless somehow you're getting a one, two, three on the civilian side or whatever and spending that money, you know? Yeah. Yep. 100%. And, uh, and, Matt, and, you know, a lot of companies try to tell you how to set up your gear and then they build a platform and say, Hey, no, this is what you need to use. That's why we tried to focus on modularity. Uh, because, you know, even same level of shooter, right versus left-handed shooter, you're going to set your kit up differently, most likely. Uh, so we just wanted to give people lots of options on what's going to best facilitate their needs. Yeah. So th- that's why y'all went with the Molly on the, 
on the Mac, I, I forget which part it's called of the Mac V that, you know, the placard goes on or whatever, but it actually yeah. Molly's on instead of Velcro's. Yeah. When I first saw yours, I took it down, or when I first got one, I took it down to, to a shooting course in Arizona. And when I was putting it together before I left, I was like, how has no one made a Molly? Like it, it just makes so much more sense than, you know, because the Velcro style, I mean, they're fine or whatever, but you are married to whatever that setup is. You can't change it. Like it's it, whatever fits on there fits on there. And that's that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, you know, we're trying to get more into like hunting and, you know, just outdoor type rigs too, that are compatible with our expander. Um, looking at some bino mm -hmm. cases and stuff this coming year. And I think that for, you know, buying this equipment, it is made in the United States. It, it, it does have a higher price point than a lot of the stuff on Amazon. Uh, but it's all sourced with materials made in the United States. It's sewn in the United States. And uh, in order to make it kind of more affordable, we want something that you can go out and spend a day on the range uh, using and then switch up come hunting season and take a lot of the same components of that same kit and go out and use to go out and hunt. Yeah, dude, I love that. I have one of your y'all's chest rigs rigged up for fly fishing right now. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, it's dope, dude. I got my leaders like right here, and then you know all my flies in the middle. It's awesome. It's perfect. Yeah, that's perfect. And uh, I have a, another buddy who just recently reached out because um, he he has a, a different chest rig. He's a hundred and first guy. Um, but he just wanted to try all straps and he's like, would they be compatible with this, you know, other company's placard? And I went down and, you know, plugged it in and I was like, yeah, man, here's a picture plugs right in. So he's, uh, he's on the, the, the road now, like pretty soon he's going to be an XM guy all the way through, you know, nice, yeah. Get rid of that little wolf. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, when you, I, I know Eric and I, one time I was putting together a course for the bunkhouse thing and I had labeled it uh, something, and Eric mentioned uh, maybe you shouldn't label it that for, like, unless you want, like, feds kicking down your door. And I hadn't even, like, thought of it in those terms because I'm not, like, trying to build a fucking militia, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. But uh, I had never even, like, really considered it until you brought it up, and it, it got me thinking, like, yeah, man, I guess that's, like, with your – with your setup and stuff, it kind of like that, that comment even sort of uh, illustrated your, like the way you guys view this and approach it, you know, whereas like some of these other guys, as you say, are trying to build stuff to get on, you know, a, a Criff team or whatever and get, you know, seen on Instagram and a Lucas Botkin reel or some shit. And you guys are like, no, nah, man, we're working class dudes making working class products that are actually good for, for our own people. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so I think, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Sorry. There's a freaking delay that's messing us up yeah, just for any listener out there. Yeah. And just from a liability aspect, I think just in kind of in today's society, um, when you are labeling those courses, you know, if you make it more of a def defensive mindset or a preparedness mindset, uh, not only a, is that going to, you know, probably create less issues down the road, uh, but it's also more risk realistic in terms of like what situation you might actually find yourself in some sort of natural disaster or something like that. You do end up taking some kit and having to like go out and push through some woods for a little bit. Um, 
it's just, I mean, it's good to have that, that kind of setup. And I think everybody should have at least some sort of like base, um, base level of preparedness in terms of that, this type of equipment. Yeah, man, I completely agree. I have, um, what I have one of your rigs set up for my 300 blackout because my, I have one daughter in public school and it, for you know personal and private reasons she wants to be in public school so uh the rest of our kids homeschool but you know i I go to pick her up from school and i set up that rig specifically for you know a potential problem right like an active shooter problem or whatever so it's set up so i can communicate with the sheriff's department if something's going on it's like it's not set up to go to a course or whatever it's set up to like you know uh take care of a active shooter situation obviously you know hope to god that never happens and you know everything else but i just uh i have it set up in that specific configuration for that specific job like i don't have a bunch of knives on it and shit you know what i'm saying um flex cuffs hang off of it or whatever it's just set up to go handle problem if if sort of the need should arise and it's super freaking convenient chest rig wise to be able to just you know grab a blackout and throw it on the you know, backseat and throw that, you know, uh, chest rig on top of it. And if I need it, I got, you know, tourniquets and med kit and all the rest of it. Um, and I think a lot of people don't, you, you mentioned the word prep is what got me thinking about this. I think they don't like, they try to prep for the apocalypse and not like what's actually the most likely thing to happen. Like you said, natural disaster. I mean, you're definitely more likely to experience some kind of natural disaster or God forbid, some kind of like active shooter thing than you are, the collapse of the United States government and a nuclear strike or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. What, um, I know you guys radio wise, you did a Baofeng, uh, pouch, right? Cause that's like what most people are running civvy wise. Yeah. So that's what we based it off of was the Baofeng, but it actually holds a few other, we're still compiling a list of all the other small handheld hams that it holds, but it, it definitely holds some of the, I think, Yesus, how you say it, radios. Um, huh? I think, yeah, some of the smaller Kenwoods. Um, we're also working on a 152 pouch right now um, that'll hold some of like the larger, like military sized radios and then some of the larger uh, civilian handheld hams. Right on. And you mentioned that you're, I, I know you're moving into the hunting line and I want to get to that, but you also mentioned that you might be working on uh, like building armor in the future or not exactly armor, but plate carriers. Yeah. Um, that, those are definitely a couple of directions that we're looking to head. We've been kind of talking about it. Uh, plate carrier is something we want to get to. Uh, we've also been looking at maybe leading with uh, a vehicle bag or possibly like a more sustainment uh, geared chest rig, uh, something for longer term, uh, longer range. But, uh, yeah, uh, the plate carrier is something definitely we do want to step to, but there's just, it's kind of like you got to work your way up and have all the right equipment. And yeah, it's like, it's the eventual like evolution of it, but we want to do it right. You know, instead of like rushing to create something that's going to be subpar. So we want to make sure we do it right. Yeah, you guys have really been kind of a, uh, at least from an outsider's perspective, you guys have really been kind of a masterclass in how to build a small business the right way. Like, 
a lot of dudes try to use social media, which is smart. Like it's free advertising. You'd be crazy not to use social media to help boost your business, but they try to do that. Um, and they kind of end up fizzling out because they like maybe get a little over their skis or, you know, try to grow too much too quickly. And you guys are just like, here's our products. They're going to launch or this, this product's going to be available at this date or whatever. And they launch and then they freaking sell out. Right. Like, you guys have kind of built a really smart model around social media in that way. Yeah. Social media has been great, especially Twitter. Um, I think we came over to Twitter about the same time you did. It's been about two, uh, two, two years, years, February. Um, yeah. And Brick's actually the one that I thought he was crazy when he said we should come over to Twitter. And, uh, <laughs> it's been great. I mean, we've met a lot of really great people on Twitter. Uh, it's, it's been an awesome platform to be a part of so oh yeah and the people the one thing about twitter that i notice and just sometimes good and sometimes bad but the people there if they decide they like you they're just super loyal and i i appreciate that sometimes they go a little over the top when they're trying to defend you but uh they're like extraordinary loyal people and so for for you guys like i mean it's got to be I don't want to call it a boon, but it's got to be nice to know that pretty reliably, if I post this, it's going to do these kind of numbers and, you know, uh, like I can expect this level of sales or whatever off of this post because, you know, my people are going to buy shit. Yeah. And it's like, it's one thing that's unique about Twitter, I guess, in terms of like other social media is that uh, it's not just everybody on one interface. Like there's like these different little rabbit holes you can go down in terms of like goon Twitter, mill Twitter, country Twitter. Um, and I think, you know, Twitter, you can be a lot more open with kind of who you are and stuff like that. And you're going to end up in a community of like-minded people that you know, kind of share the same values and vision as you do. Yeah. And we've seen on Twitter that some of the bigger brands have actually suffered because they hire, uh, you know, they hire a social media intern or whatever, and that social media intern doesn't actually reflect the brand very well. And the thing about Twitter is people know you from Twitter. Like, if you're if you're honest in the way that you engage on Twitter, then people have a pretty good sense of who you are because you're, you know, it's kind of like your inner monologue just getting broadcast all freaking day, right? Um so for you guys it's it's good because like you're good dudes and you know like people people like those kind of people and want to support them but some other brands have had some problems over there because they uh you know i don't want to well you can just look at uh like black rifle coffee has had you know they've had a bunch of people very mad at them on twitter and honestly i think a lot of that is uh they have someone running their social media that probably doesn't reflect the the real opinions of the actual company you know maybe sometimes uh, at least some of it comes from that so i think it's cool that you guys actually run your own shit too and are like not paying somebody be 500 bucks a, a day or, or i mean a week or whatever to you know send out tweets for you you know what i mean yeah no you really got to hold that tight um and like maintain a lot of responsibility for that kind of stuff ask a small business because not only can that kind of get misconstrued um it's also expensive to pay a lot of people to do that kind of stuff. Um, and so, and then that's another reason Twitter more so than any other social media. I think you actually get a lot of interaction with your customers. You get a lot of like real time feedback. And sometimes even when we're designing stuff, we'll kind of throw out where we're at in the prototyping phase 
and try to get input before we even get a project ready or a product ready to release. Yeah, I think, and as far as Twitter, the different why some of those big companies don't have the success on Twitter is because it's such a, it's, it's based on engagement. You need to engage with your, with your followers, where if you're following like the Instagram model where they're, a lot of these guys are highly successful on Instagram because it's so visually based. You post a picture, gets a lot of follows, and then you get a lot of sales from that. Where Twitter is more you need to engage with people. And they don't really do that. It's kind of like, okay, we're just going to post something and leave. Whereas we are constantly like, we post something, but we're also engaging with people throughout the day. We're talking to people. We're answering questions. We're, we're doing that stuff. And I think that's where Twitter for us is. It's been good. Talking shit at Biden. I see yeah. I see y'all in the replies on Biden. <laughs> it's almost I can almost like guarantee if Biden tweeted some shit, Exxon Briss will be in there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He needs a better intern, man. It's messed <laughs> No, I, I totally agree with that. and for anybody out there who doesn't know yet, I'm sure they most people already know, but whatever brand and almost every celebrity that you're interacting with, or you think you're interacting with uh, or commenting, replying to rather on like IG is not running that account, dude. They're not like they either, they either have it set up to auto post um, or, you know, they've got somebody else running it for them, just posting pictures and shit. Like Twitter is kind of the opposite, not necessarily at the, like the biggest companies, but, like the people for whatever reason they they are really running their account like almost every time like if you're getting mad at like some hollywood celebrity type person or whatever it's him you're talking to like almost guaranteed you know short of maybe politicians but um like a lot of brands and celebrities you are actually talking to the person that runs that brand or celebrity which is a pretty cool and you know sort of unique feature of twitter i i don't know of another social media platform that's really like that IG to an extent, but a lot of people uh, aren't even really responsive when you reach out to them. It's more of just a, like Kyle was saying, it, drop it. And it's a vis- It's because that is so visually. That's that's what it's about. It's about the, the picture, the video, and so that's the main focus. You know, most you don't see the the commenting and the question, you know, answering questions and stuff like that that you do on Twitter, where that's what it's about. You know, Twitter's about having a conversation. You can do the same thing. You can post pictures and we do that, but we also answer anybody's questions. We talk to people, we talk shit, we, you know, fun of people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is good. And the, the, my favorite part of Twitter, obviously I don't have like a brand that I'm running on Twitter or anything like that. But, um, my favorite part is if you find kind of the right, crew of people you know that uh, follow you and you follow them or whatever they're it's almost like a locker room right like you're just talking shit and having a good time and sometimes other people almost always boomers jump in and you know they're like trying to defend somebody's honor and you're like bro i'm talking shit at my friend like i would i would be texting him but it's twitter so we're just doing it on twitter now you know what i mean like uh, i love that feel of it it's almost Um, I wasn't an SF guy, obviously, but um, it's almost like being in, you know, back in a a barracks in country or whatever, like with your buddies, you're just bullshit. 
you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and then it's cool because a lot of the other companies, you know, like Tour has, has a really good presence on Twitter. Uh, uh, LSA. Yeah. LSA is awesome. Uh, Red Balloon. I mean, Tap is hilarious. And he's so funny. Uh, it's, it's, it's like a whole culture of the companies that have come together and it's been neat because we all kind of make different products and it, the stars just aligned. And uh, so there's definitely a great group of dudes on Twitter. Uh, I, and again, I thought Brink was crazy when he said to go over and give it a shot, but I think it's one of the best things we did in terms of our business model, uh, social media wise, for sure. Yeah, for sure. It's just cool to see a company out there like using that platform because I, you know what, I've probably told the story on the podcast before, but for me, I was really for years, man, like maybe even a decade, I was really careful about what I would say online because I was making about 25% of my annual revenue off of speeches, you know, and that's all corporate gigs, you know, like almost always. Um, so I was like really not touching much of politics or anything like that. Kind of like the Jocko Willink model, right? Like just show it, but don't really talk about it. Um, and then I got on Twitter because I, I had a speech booked. It was COVID, but I had a speech booked um, and I was supposed to be in Vegas on Saturday. So I'm going to drive down right Friday at about like 5 p.m. I get a text from. Uh, the guy that helped me book the speech at his company. And this was actually at like a big convention in Vegas. So I was going to keynote this convention, but the company that was hiring me to be there, they text me and they're like, Hey man, this COVID thing, they're canceling everything. You know, like, I, I don't know what to tell you, you know, like it's, it's over or whatever. I'm like, okay, cool. Well, it's like, that sucks because there goes a paycheck, you know, like uh last minute. Right. And then all of them that were booked, I got emails over like the next several days, just like everything was canceled for, for like the whole year, you know, yeah, yeah. like, bro. <laughs> so I finally just said, screw it. I had gotten on Twitter during the, during the cat, the fall calving season and talk shit for like two days or three days or something. Cause I was up on at night and then I, you know, never used it again. And then I got back on after that. I was like, whatever, I'm just going to talk shit at whoever I want now. And dude, I ended up like, you know, I sold more books, uh, last year via Twitter and Jocko, most importantly, um, than I, than I had in the f freaking five, I can't even remember when that 2015, I wrote that thing. So like in the seven years combined before by probably a, a factor of two or three, you know? Um, so what I like what for me what happened was wow like okay maybe corporate people don't like this sort like this side of me very much but like other people do and now i'm like happier and freer and i can just like be me and it's freaking great dude it's awesome yeah. um it's very liberating right like once you embrace twitter for what it is like it's just liberating yeah and i think whether you know it's you as a personality or like us as a business when you you gotta gotta just come to the understanding that America's really divided right now, and no matter what you say, you're probably gonna piss off at least half the people. Uh, so we just want to be real with who we are and kind of what we see from our small little remote part of Central Washington, and uh, that's that's why I like Twitter so much, is because you meet people from all over the United States that kind of have the same 
opinions and the same values and, you know, kind of want to see some of the same changes implemented. So, really cool. Yeah, bro. It's, uh, and I, like we met, well, I guess we met online, so to speak, but then at, at that one bunkhouse event and the other part that I love about Twitter is when you hang out with somebody for the first time, it's like, you feel like you all, you knew them forever. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like just like you and I stayed up until like freaking five o'clock in the morning that night or whatever the hell it was just bullshitting around the fire. Right. But you, I, you would never get that type of feel for somebody on any, uh, any other, you know, social media platform. And, um, I didn't mean to turn this conversation into a Twitter endorsement, but I, you know, it's just pretty cool that, so like, I guess I can say to listeners that, uh, you know, they're exactly the guys you think they are. Right. And that's, that's a very cool thing when you're buying products for people. Yeah. It's good to know. Uh, especially today's society, uh, you know, there's a lot of like woke culture that kind of cancels out a lot of businesses just, you know, for not kind of falling in line. And uh, it, Twitter's been a good workaround for that. I think long term moving forward, uh, we would definitely recommend for other smaller businesses to kind of get on there and get out who you are. And, uh, there, there will be people that align with what you make and uh, kind of the fashion and, and the, the reasoning that you're putting behind it, too. Yeah, man, the ever like I shouldn't say everybody, a lot of people are constantly yammering about the need to build parallel institutions and shit like this. Right. Which which sounds great. You know, like a uh, grad student tweeter guy who's very smart says this kind of thing. And it's it sounds sounds really good in a, in a big, long, expansive Twitter thread. But in the real world, compiling an institution or not compiling, but constructing an institution, it's I mean, it would be great if it was possible and people should like work towards that. But getting it done is a whole it's a whole other thing. So like what you guys are doing in like just rejecting cancel culture by just being yourself as a brand and seeing success, I feel like is a much more. Uh, kind of, uh, viable alternative to this whole you know, cancellation thing and, you know, building parallel institutions and all this. I mean, we're not going to stand up a bank next week, right? But ex umbras can go out there and be themselves and show that you can be successful being yourself. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then you, like, like we were talking about earlier, there are those kind of separate spaces on Twitter. So normally it's not, you, you know, we don't run into issues with people being too confrontational often. Uh, but every once in a while, you know, somebody will come in and have something to say for a little bit, but normally there's enough, uh, other like like-minded individuals that will throw down that common sense check card real quick on like crazy <laughs> like that. So, but it's good to see kind of what, you know, the, you know, the, I don't want to call it the opposition, but just kind of what the other side of culture is pushing day to day, uh, in terms of the news and like, it's uh, it's good to be kind of in that central, like what do they call it, the town square? Twitter, Twitter's the town square, you know, and you get to kind of see the opposing views at least, and be aware that they're out there, and that there are some issues with some of that stuff. So, yeah, for sure, man. Uh, what would you say is the like when people come at you? What do they come at you about most? The people that are pissed off. Oh, 
Yeah. Uh, lately, I mean, it's, if you call into question any politician or any opposing views, there's usually somebody in the weeds that comes in and starts arguing the opposite point. And then sometimes that lasts a couple of posts and sometimes that lasts a couple of days. Yeah. There's been a couple of people that have been <laughs> days of them constantly talking shit, but, um, yeah, that's normally what it's about. You, you know, it's the same thing. Like somebody's going to bat for, for Biden or somebody's going to bat for the Democrats or somebody's going to bat for this opposing view or that's what it seems to be. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and the two alpha, like people that don't have a clear interpretation of the Second Amendment, that yeah. can be a point of contention sometimes. Uh for me, especially, just because I think we live in such a knee-jerk reaction type society nowadays, and people try to throw out all these skewed numbers in terms of gun violence, and uh, I, you know, there's a lot of people out there that would deprive people of their constitutional rights just so they can feel a little bit safer, rather than addressing the root of the issue. Uh, so, yeah, it's pretty easy to get rabbit holed down into some sort of uh, political or argument on policies and things of that nature, but normally gets sorted pretty quick with the right people and being involved with it. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, um, I, I've, I've been trying not to bring them up just so I'm going to talk and cause I don't want to get you guys into anything, but I think that's what happened with the whole black rifle coffee thing too, is, you know, I'm not trying to like defend the stance they took uh in the written house thing or whatever else like that's not what i'm trying to do i'm just saying i i think that a lot of people got very upset uh because they're they're on twitter a lot and they're used to uh seeing what people really think about the second amendment and so when a company like black rifle or whatever is making certain kind of donations and taking certain kind of public stances that appear very much to be anti 2a and they're you know obviously their company's called black rifle which you know uh sort of as a cell phone in and of itself but um i do think that a little bit of the rea the reaction was because people live on twitter and they see so when they, what they saw was oh this is another snake in the grass company that's saying good things to my face and lying behind my back kind of thing and i completely get it you know what i mean i totally get where they're coming from on that i don't know um yeah, I totally get where they're coming from. That's all I'll say. I, I don't know much beyond that, really. But it's for me, I, I, was, I was not surprised at all to find that um, politics are the thing that you get the most shit about. Like, because what's someone going to do, like, say, uh, hey, you call these beer can holsters or I mean, beer can pouches, but they don't actually hold a beer can, you know, because that'd be a lie. Because <laughs> I tried it just to yeah, find yeah. out. <laughs> so, so, that's right, that's system. That's why we call them that. <laughs> but the, yeah so I, I yeah the politics part of it doesn't doesn't shock me i was just curious if like some you know some somebody was like very much a fan of some other company and were like oh you guys suck at like this party or business or whatever and i didn't know if you guys got any of that but it sounds like not any of that has been the usual it's just trolls that will say like oh why does it cost this much money why does it cost that you know oh why can get this for this price yeah you know, and you're going to get that. Anybody's going to get that. Um, 
you just try to explain it, you know, explain it to them like, well, that's why it costs this much money. You know, it's essentially two guys that you know are running the ship, and that's what it costs. We're not getting it made in China. We're not, you know, there's nobody else doing it for us. We're doing it on our own. Yeah, and I would like to see somebody run a few courses on like a Condor rig or whatever, and then compare it to uh, a few courses ran in a Mac V and tell me whose stitching looks like it held up better. You know what I mean? Or just just overall composition because it's it's not even close. You know? Yeah. It's like no, uh, and the, so we don't make our markup on our products is pretty minimal, and everything we do make goes right back into the company. Uh, but that's been one of the biggest obstacles to get is a lot of the materials um, and the buckles and stuff. When you buy that, there's minimum order quantities and some of that stuff, you're looking at thousands of dollars to get into, you know, getting into a new color scheme. It's not only do you have to buy the laminate material, but you have to buy the regular Cordura and then the webbing to match it. And those all have their own MOQs. Once you get into them, you know, you're, they can you restock off of that and you're into it. Um, but there's been quite a few kind of humps where we've had to save up for a few months to even get into some of the newer materials to be able to do that. Now, I have to ask you this because I get it in my DMs a lot, but that's what happened with like the Rhodesia Mac V's and the Red Dawn Mac V's, right? It's like the sourcing is just a bitch on those, right? Yeah, yeah. So, um, Pretty much all the big, very compliant companies, you're only going to get like the multicam variants of materials. And then, you know, your Ranger Green, Black, Wolf Gray, and Coyote Brown. And outside of that, nobody is making that in big volumes. And if you want to get into those special camos, you have to have that manufacturer run a special uh, production of that camo pattern. Uh, and it's got a huge MOQ. So like even with the multicam Tropic and the multicam Arid, and the M81 rigs, that material was only available because a way larger company was having some run. And then our mm. uh, manufacturers got a hold of us and said, hey, we're doing a run for these guys. Do you want us to add some on for you guys? And that's how it Oh. I'm feeling pretty blessed to have a freaking M81 rig sitting on my couch over there right now in my office. Yeah, then. yeah. <laughs> that's the last of that. So hopefully some of those bigger companies are putting orders again so then we can get piggybacked on it again. Hell yeah. Yeah. I, I, I just, I had to bring it up because I get it um, in group chats and stuff all the time. Like, uh, I mean, I don't think anybody thinks that I'm in any way associated with your business, but they know that we're like buddies. And so they think that uh, I have some kind of inside info that I really don't have. You know what I mean? Like, like when's it, when's this coming back in stock in this color? I'm like, I don't fucking know. Ask them dude. Like they're pretty good at responding, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, and we try to be flexible and bump stuff around. Uh, so Kyle and I, I kind of want to maybe touch on the business structure just so people understand that. Kyle handles our website and our fulfillment, uh, a lot of the social media and photography. And then I kind of do more of the design and oversee the sewing and the shop. And at this point, we're up to six employees. We got four full-time and then two part-time employees. Um, we're so, also operating out of two separate yeah. places. So I'm two hours away. Right. So, you know, that can create some issues with some of that stuff and it's not easy, but, um, that's, that's kind of what we're doing. That's all this money that we're, we're that's coming in is going right back into this and, and building. It's not like we're in some kind of giant 
you know, facility, like we're still operating our own homes, essentially. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah, and it's not like the margins are huge either, right? I mean, it's not like you guys are banking, you know, a shitload on every Mac V either. I mean, you know, you've got a margin, but it's not like it's enormous, right? Yeah. I think people don't, a lot, you know, people who run small businesses of their own get it. You know what I mean? Like, they totally, I feel like they totally understand, but uh, some people, I'm not saying everybody that, works for somebody else doesn't understand but it seems like usually it's someone who or i I would say it like this i think that you get probably a lot less grief or pushback from people that also run a small business even if they're like an electrician or whatever they they understand how shit works you know you got a markup and a product and like you make what you make on that thing and you can only do what you can do and startup phase is a bitch on everything it's hard like every startup is tough tough to get going you guys have done it smart, man. Um, I also really, I, I said, mentioned this earlier, but I also really like how you guys have, you've went the model of, okay, we're going to produce this and let people know a little bit that you're going to produce it, but then you don't like say, okay, come order it and we'll get it out at like this day or whatever. You, you're like, okay, pr- this product is dropping and it's it's basically done at that point. So people order and it ships pretty freaking quick after you order i know everything i bought shipped really fast so that's a good model too because like our boy uh good friend uh tap he gets he gets a lot of grief about his lead time he doesn't he doesn't care yeah but, um but, but you guys don't have to worry too much about that you know what i mean yeah no we're lucky so kyle works a full-time job outside of doing x english too so when he's doing the fulfillment, a lot of times it's in the middle of the work week at like between midnight and two in the morning and stuff. And back out kind of trying to get everything out in time. Um, and then there's sometimes there's a little bit of a lag time. If we're short something, we have a buddy that's a firefighter up by where I'm at who every week when he gets off his firefighter shift swings by and will pick up whatever we have done. And he brings it down to Kyle's garage, the warehouse. And then, that's how we circulate most of it. A lot of times, though, if we can't get stuff down in time, either Kyle will drive up or I'll drive down. I mean, just the logistics in that alone, are, we're pretty lucky to have our buddy Jonathan. So shout out to him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's dude, it's tough, man, running small operations. I kind of got two or three going right now, and it, it is tough. People, they really don't get it, even, even from a – I can only semi-relate in that when we do a run of hardcover books or whatever, we have to ship them, right? And we ship them from here because they, I do an order from the publisher and the publisher sends them to my house on a semi-truck. Not like it's tens of thousands, but, you know, it still comes on a semi-truck. Mm-hmm. And then I have to move these pallets of books into my garage and then pick them up in their, I think there's 28 books in a box, carry it up into, you know, into the living room there. And uh, which, by the way, we refloored the whole house since you were here. But um, yeah, it's better. It's a little easier now. <laughs> but, uh, you know, take it up in there. And then I've got stacks of books, you know what I mean, in the living room. And then me and actually my wife does almost all of it. So she's writing hand labels and all that, you know what I mean? And then I take and haul these boxes down to the post office, which you know where I live. It's like that thing's like a tough shed. Yeah. <laughs> and go in there and, uh, you know, it's a. I guess all I'm trying to say is the logistics part probably looks a lot simpler on the outside than it actually is. Cause even shipping books is a freaking nightmare when you have to do 
a bunch at once. It's a pain, big time. Yeah, especially with lead times on materials through COVID, availability on some stuff has been pretty inconsistent. But we're we're trying to. That's why we spend a lot of the money that we did have coming in there at first, just to get enough materials on hand. Or if there are kind of extended waits and stuff, we're not sitting there waiting on materials to get them. So that's smart. Yeah, that's smart. Dude, everybody at Shot was talking about that. I mean, I'm, it's been the same in every industry, but every single person I talked to at Shot was talking about lead times on materials. Everybody. I mean, even Geisley was like, yeah, we're doing our best, but just like everybody else, you know, we're waiting on materials, you know. I don't know. How long do you think it would be before that normalizes the materials, the materials thing? Never. Yeah. I mean, it might never get better. Um, yeah. You see everything going on now. It's like, okay, yeah, COVID's over, but you know, you've got other stuff. I mean, so who knows whether it's going to get really better. You know, we just have to kind of wait and see. Got a plan. For it. Yeah, and the smart companies. So it's almost it's almost as if there's a there's a competitive advantage possible there. It, you guys are being very smart and diligent about how you're 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 kind of prepping, sort of for the worst in terms of you know materials and and getting them in. And other companies, I mean, I'm sure that you know bigger companies are thinking in that in that way too, but. Um, they might not actually, no matter how, uh, like how sharp they're being about it, just by virtue of how many orders they get, they might never actually be able to stay ahead of the curve. And that might be an opening for a company like y'all's, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Fill in the gaps. Yeah. So yeah, I think those, a lot of those guys are operating at a certain pace and now that it's changed they've had to adapt where we've kind of just built this model from the ground up. So we're, we're doing it the way we've always done it, where they have to really more adapt to, to that problem with, with acquiring materials and whatnot. And so for us, we can fill in that gap where those guys might have a long period of time where they can't, you know, long wait times. We can kind of come into the middle there and, you know, we can fulfill that. Yeah, totally. The bigger you get, the less agile you are. It's it's might as well be a law of physics. I mean, really. Um, so an- another thing that I know people are asking because they've asked me is, are you guys ever going to start building slings? Uh, so we try not to design anything unless we can make it better than what's already on the market. Um, we've been looking at slings. We got a couple prototypes that we're kind of playing around with. Um, but Ferro Concepts does a really good job of, say, their slingster, and then they make that rubberized sling pull. I mean, mm-hmm. just to get into some I of the stuff thing. we looked at, um, maybe getting some of those made, but you have to pay to get, like, your mold made. And, like, if you don't, if you do it in America, it's really expensive, you know, and we don't want to have to go overseas. Um, but, again, it's just kind of there's a little bit of a financial barrier to entry to get in there and do it right. We are debating about it. We're looking at some other materials and stuff to maybe do the pulls for them. Uh, but I guess long answer is we just don't want to try to do stuff unless we know that it can be better than what's on the market. 
Doing yeah, it. I like that. That that's part of why people trust you. Sorry, Kyle, go ahead. It's easy to bite on the way things are and how saturated it is. It, it's easy for you can see it a lot where one company comes out with something that looks exactly like this guy. The slings are kind of one of those things where it's easy to make a sling that is exactly like somebody else's. So we kind of want to, yeah, we'd like to make one, but we don't want to step on anybody else's toes. And, you know, we want to we know, create something that's our own. Oh, I, I totally get it. And uh, I've got, I don't even know how many Pharaoh slings. Uh, Red turned me on to them. And I mean, I still have a couple Vickers slings, but every rifle I really like, I take the Vickers off and put a slingster on because I just, I like that. It's mostly the pull, like you brought up. I really like that pull. Um, so yeah, I, I just wanted to ask because I get, I get that question asked of me, of you guys, like somehow I'm, I'm your, <laughs> like, uh, like point of contact for some people somehow, even though I'm not at all. But holsters for tap. I'm like, uh, you might want to hit up. <laughs> yeah it's funny uh, it, it, it's i mean it's fun and funny both actually i i enjoy it it doesn't bother me at all i you know hit me with whatever x numbers question you got it's not gonna hurt my feelings but i don't want anybody i don't want to uh be the guy that taints your brand because i probably say even dumber shit online than you guys do sometimes so. I all, I, I everybody that's kind of been our little circle on twitter man i i think everybody's awesome so yeah yeah but i mean when are you no, go ahead. And then I, no, go ahead. And then I got to ask you this question. I got a question. So yeah, I mean, in terms of that, like slings and stuff. I mean, that's kind of more on the tactical side. We definitely want to work up some more tactical stuff, uh, but we want to get into something that you know is kind of a little bit for more every, more for everybody. That's why we started getting into the hygiene kits. Uh, we want to do like we we're talking about a vehicle bag that you can use, kind of just for day to day organizations, or you can load it out as kind of a prep bag for, you know, if you're going out in certain weather during the winter, you can throw, you know, some stuff into it. A little first aid, uh, some you know, alternate communication considerations, stuff like that. And then that's going to probably be a lot better for, you know, the majority of the people that we're trying to market to than a plate carrier at this point in time in terms of them actually being able to take it out and put some hard juice on it and have it if they need it. Makes yeah, it makes sense, man. And especially where y'all, like you brought up, uh, y'all approach stuff trying to do, trying to improve it in some way rather than just put it out there, right? Because you guys could go sew up. I mean, I've got a JPC. There's nothing on that JPC that you guys would not be capable of making, but it would probably be like a pretty similar product. So, I I get it, and that that seems really smart to me. The question I have is when are we getting uh, Molly saddlebags? So I have the pattern. Uh, we just, <laughs> that's another thing we've been doing. We've been taking on some other designs. Uh, we, we're doing a pretty cool product for a company. I'm not going to throw their name out there just yet, but it's, it's a, a hunting product. It's going to be a bino harness with a backpack kind of incorporated. So it's basically like a chest rig bino harness. Uh, with a plate bag on the back. It's just a small compact backpack, uh, but just enough to throw like a little bit of chow and a light layer in. Um, mm -hmm. And we took that on knowing that we eventually want to do our own bino rigs and stuff like that. So that's been a cool project. And we're actually working on some more like modular backpacks for another radio communications company to hold a lot of their products. 
So mm-hmm. we're trying to get those under our belt, uh, use what we kind of get out of those projects and then start on uh, like a get home bag or like an EDC type preparedness bag. Are you telling me that there's not enough of a market for a Molly saddlebag? Is that what I'm hearing? We're getting to the saddlebag. Um, we, <laughs> we got to get through these design projects. It's, it's a strain and it's a balancing act every day, you know, throughout the week. Like we're trying to get all our own products done and ready to put out on Friday uh, to kind of keep the lights on. And then we're also doing these other design projects on the side. So we went a little heavy on the design project here for the last couple months, uh, but we're kind of working back into being able to do our own stuff. And uh, definitely the saddlebags in that squadron material are, I'll get on them. <laughs> we'll put it that way. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just teasing you, man. But it would yeah. be cool. It would be very yeah. cool. Um, no, I, and honestly, thanks for reminding me about that. A lot of the time, you know, we're shifting everything around, trying to keep products in stock and something will be, pretty much right there and we're going to do it. And then it gets kicked pretty much to the back of the queue. So. Yeah. I, I mean, f- just from the outside, what y'all do seems pretty stressful to me trying to keep up. Uh, but you're really good about like being timely and getting products out, but it, it seems, uh, I don't know if I could do it. Maybe not organized enough or something. You're very organized. I like that. It just takes time and, kind of going slow at first because the way when we stood this up we sat down and we looked at it and we said okay like where are our choke points going to be in terms of manufacturing and obviously like raw material procurement's a big one through covid and then you know a lot of this stuff has to get cut on a laser cutter that takes time um, so you have procurement cutting sewing uh then you have like your whole QC review and putting on the final tabs and stuff and then it's like listing it and marketing it and it actually fulfilling it so yep yeah i wish i would have adopted that model early on going slower but i've got the wrong personality i just i do everything on 11 and so i end up doing some things badly gotta i gotta rectify that you know yeah but well man we're counterintuitive to go slow like that uh, but I think, like, you know, you were talking about Black Rifle earlier, and they grew really fast. They took on a bunch of, of investors. Um, and then every time, you know, that's something we talked about is we don't want to take investors because once you do, then they have, you know, you're obligated to them to perform in such a way. Um, yep. You have to watch what you post on, on social media. You They have a say in everything that you do. And that's the one, yeah, that's the one thing we – we didn't want to do we wanted to grow this with our own money and and feeding this monster on our own versus taking somebody else on and then having to deal with that aspect of like now you have to do this now you're just now they have a say and everything so and that yeah that as far as black rifle that's i think where they got in trouble was they grew super fast and you've got a lot of people now that are invested in this that have a say and it created a big problem for them. And in their case, I would be shocked. I mean, I don't know. I don't know this. I have no inside information, obviously. They're, I mean, they don't like me. So, But um, I would be shocked if they didn't have a board that they have to answer to for executive hirees and stuff like that, you know. 
so like the amount of control that they still have over their company is probably not nearly as much as the average end user thinks. Uh, just that's just a guess, wild ass guess, you know. No, uh, and then when you that's go what public, I would think. When you go uh, public, yeah, then you, I mean, yeah, you've got you've got a board, you've got shareholders that you have to answer to. Um, yeah, or like, who knows what kind of control they really have. Yeah, probably not much, but uh fellers, we are we are up against an hour now. So that's you guys have anything you want to plug or besides xumbersdesigns.com? Yeah. Uh when's this actually dropping? Probably a couple of weeks. No, no, I think I'll I'll talk to Gaylord after, but my guess would be Wednesday if I know Gaylord. Um okay. well, yeah, but then that'd the be my guess. Lab we did we did will be live on their site. If you have the app, it's available right now, but by next what, Monday? Monday it, it's available to everybody. It's a beefed up version of our of our fanny pack. So it's a larger oh, cool. you can hold a full size pistol. It's got a Faraday pouch in it. It's got a lot of extra features and that that That, would be on softweek.com yeah softweek very cool man yeah i'm excited to check that out too i stuff a glock 19 in my uh red dawn (laughs) fanny pack all the time for what it's worth (laughs) with a dot on it no less i still by the way haven't remembered to put my freaking cell phone in that thing i just can't you know, so again, one one of these days I'm going to lose it again, like we did in Utah. But yep. So xumbrusdesigns.com, uh, they've got a new fanny with a Faraday and all kinds of cool shit coming out in uh, softleak.com on Monday, right? So that would have been the Monday before this drops. Correct. Yeah. So, so we'll already it. already be out. Hopefully, they'll still be. And then outside. on Twitter, it's on Twitter. It's xumbrus. Is it just Xumbrus? Because it's not Xumbrus Designs, is it? Uh, I think it's Xumbrus Designs. Let's check. Okay. I'll look too. I don't even know how to. Oh, it is. It's Xumbrus Designs. It's at Xumbrus Designs. Correct. Follow them there. They're super based and cool and good and make good shit. And buy their stuff, man. I mean, I, I don't vouch for a lot of products uh i've even had companies ask me to vouch for products and i don't but these guys make really good shit it's great stuff and i've actually run it in lanes and courses and it's been awesome i i mean i honestly couldn't be a bigger fan so man awesome great to hear thank you thank you yeah thank you all all right have a good one man you too